Shout amen. Let's prepare to receive the Lord's tithe and offering at this time. If you came prepared to give and have your envelope, grab that in your hand. If you give via uh, cell phone or internet, just grab that. We want to speak over it. And then we're going to jump right into the word. If I could get a little more juice on this mic, that would be great. Um, and we're going to jump right into the word. I'm excited about it. Uh, I want you to, as you're doing that, as you're getting your envelope or your phone in your hand, I want to read this verse to you just to encourage you. It says this. It says, um, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Repeat after me. Say it's up to me. You must each decide in your heart how to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously, say generously, Generously. provide all you need. How many of you need some things? We serve a God that will provide not only scarcely, but generously everything that we need. And as we go on and just close it out, it says, and you will have plenty left over to share with others. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to obey you. In the tithe and the offering, we thank you and declare that we stand under an open heaven. I pray blessings upon us who are participating in your kingdom work, Lord. We pray that your kingdom would be advanced, that souls would be saved, that every need would be met according to your will and your riches and glory. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe it. Shout amen. 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 You can be seated. I want to get into this today. Um, I missed you last week. I was in... Sanford preaching for one of our overseers and preached three services and it's a little bit of a marathon but just know that when you allow me those moments that I can go do that many lives were impacted Uh, many people saved and got a lot of testimonies about what God did over there but I also want to thank you for being a church that shows up even when I'm not here so important God can speak through whoever he wants and sometimes we miss what God is doing because we, we, we're like, I can only hear from this person or only hear from that person. But I mean, you know, if God can use a donkey, he can use anybody. <laughs> um, and not that Pastor Richard is a donkey. Um, he, <laughs> he's my friend and he's a friend of this ministry. And um, I, I appreciate him taking part three of Heart for the House and listen to his message about participation um, awards. And it was just a, a blessing to me to hear that. Um, I want to wrap up our series of Heart for the House with two messages this week. One will be this week and one will be next week. And then I want you to get ready for December. I'll be preaching a series, Grace and Truth, Grace and Truth. And I want you to bring people to that. I just believe God will transform our lives through that as well. How many of you know that the word of God has the power to change our lives? If we receive what God says, and sometimes we think that hype and excitement is what changes us, but that doesn't change us. That's just a feeling. We need the word of God to get into our hearts, and as it gets into our hearts, he will transform and change our lives, change our situations, but we have to be willing to receive what he's saying. So the first part of Heart for the House, we talked about priority. The second part, we talked about legacy uh, matters, and then last week, as I said, Pastor Richard brought a great word on participation awards and how we need to lean into what uh, God is doing. But this week and next week, I want to do a two-part series called um, Unlocking well, it's two parts to this anyway, unlocking uh, the treasure principle, unlocking the treasure principle. How many of you know God speaks to every area of our lives? If we're willing to receive what he's saying, some of us, honestly, some of us can't afford to go another year on the same level we've been on for the last five. Say amen. Um, some of us, we, our lives have been the same story over and over again, and a lot of it is not us waiting on God. Some of it is just we need to get in line and in alignment with what God is doing and begin to obey uh, what he wants us to do. And so unlocking this treasure principle, in the first part of this, Jim Elliott said something interesting. He said, he is no fool, and you've heard this, who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Sometimes we have to understand what the real treasure is in our lives. If we don't understand what the real treasure is, how many of you know we'll sell out our destiny for something that won't even last? Um, And so we want to pray that God really deal with our hearts um, as we go through this. And I want you to ask God to just speak to you through the scriptures. Don't see Shannon. Don't see pastor. Don't see anything other than what God is saying through his word to you. And if you receive it and you believe it and you start to act on this by faith, I, I guarantee you your life will change for the better. Uh, Matthew 13, 44 says this. It says, the kingdom of heaven 
is like treasure. Say treasure. That a man discovered and hid in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. How many of you know the kingdom has to be a priority? When you, be, when you come into a relationship with God, when you come into a relationship with him, kingdom has to be the most important thing. Uh, it has to be the thing that drives our family, that drives our relationships, that drives how we deal with our jobs and, in every aspect of our life. That's why Jesus said, seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be what? Added to you. So all the things we strive for, all the things we're struggling for, all the things we 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 on our knees just believing God and begging him for. He says, if you just put my kingdom first, say first. If you put my kingdom first, I'll just add them to you. How many of you want some of that kind of addition where you don't have to strive and struggle to, to you, you you ever been there with everything, every day, everything you were trying to do was just so hard. But Jesus said something, he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and what are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my burden upon you. My yoke is easy. Say easy. Everything doesn't have to be hard. You ever thought about that? Everything doesn't have to be hard. But how many of you have some things that it seems like every day is just hard? Everything is just hard. It's hard to deal with my family. It's hard to deal with my finances. It's hard to deal with these people on my job. Everything is hard. When we surrender our life, our desires, our plans to Jesus, he says that my yoke is easy. I need some easy days. How about you? Some of us, be honest, I'm just, I'm going through. And that's good. It's, it's good to wear that badge of going through. But, man, I need some easy days sometimes, too. I need some days where every phone call is not bad. I need some days where um, everything is not coming against me. And I just need this stuff to work out smoothly. Say smooth. Everything doesn't have to be hard. But sometimes we make it hard. Go back to the scripture that I, I had over there. Because um, I want us to really get this. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered, hid in the field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything. Say everything. The kingdom was important enough for this man to give up everything. How many of you, when we came to Jesus, we gave him some? <laughs> but he didn't get everything. He didn't get that addiction. He didn't get, you know... He didn't get those hidden desires in our closet that we don't tell anybody about. He got our song. He got our amen. But there's some stuff we didn't give him. But Jesus wants everything. The kingdom requires that we give up everything. In other words, Lord, everything in my life belongs to you. And that's a beautiful place to be, even though we get scared sometimes, because if everything belongs to him, he can breathe on it. And then what he'll do, and what some of us don't like, but then what he'll do is he'll say, no, that's not good for your life. Let me move this out of the way. And then he'll say, no, this is good for you. Let me, let me put this right here where it belongs. But see, some of us, we insist on being God in our own lives, so he can't be. And so he has to, what happens is, is he's fighting daily for the throne in our hearts. But when we say, God, you know what, I'm stepping off the throne in everything, every thought, every desire, every possession, every word that I say, all of it, I'm surrendering to you. Because what, what we find is if a person won't give you their heart, they won't give you anything else. And so that's why God wants our all. He wants our heart because if he has our heart, he knows he has everything else. This is why some of us, we give our heart to the wrong people and then we'll do whatever they want, even if it's not good for us. Because they have what? Our heart. That's why God says, I want your heart. I want you to be able to give up everything. Here's a principle. First principle is this. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. You can't separate the two. And this is where I know enough as a preacher to say, as soon as I say that word, there's a little cringe that comes up in our heart. Because, watch this, we're willing to give him everything but the thing we work 40 hours a week for. If we're honest, if we're both, say, Pastor, yeah, I love Jesus, but you know what, man, I get up too early in the morning that I, I don't know, I'm still working on. You know how we, we like that when we don't want to do something, we're still working on it. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still working on forgiving. I'm still working on being kind. I'm still working on loving the people that betrayed me. You, how many of you got stuff you're working on? Be honest. You're like, yeah, I come to church, man. I sing, I say amen, but I'm working on that. I'll still cuss you out. <laughs> Some people are like that. You know, don't, don't leave the church because I said that. Some people are like that. They will say amen, and in the same sense, they'll tell you about yourself. 
But we can't separate our faith from any part of our life. Our finances, our forgiveness, our love, our relationship, they cannot be separated. And this is, this is why some of us are able to live our life in compartments and not move forward with God because he has some and he doesn't have all. Mm. I just believe that 2020 doesn't have to be like 2019. You know, I don't think we, I just, can I be real with you? I don't believe we got to get to December 31st and say the same thing we said for the past 20 years. Next year is my year. How many of you know today can be your year if you start obeying God? All we got to do is do what he said right now and then he'll begin to move. Uh, we, we live in this tug of war with God uh, where, God, I'll do it when you. And then God is saying, no, nah, you got it twisted. I'll do it when you. And, and, and the thing is, is as much as that's why the enemy fights us, it's not all you. The enemy will fight you. How many of you, you set out to do right? You set out to obey God, and then all of a sudden he start whispering, why are you doing that? It's not working anyway. It's not turning out for you anyway. Do you really believe God needs a lot of time to work a miracle in your life? You, pastor, it's been the same way for 20 years. All God got to do is say one word. All he got to do is say healed, free, delivered change. He says that about you and your whole life and your whole situation can turn around in an instant. But some of us are our own hold up. It's quiet in here. But some of us, are, we, we can't put everything on the devil. He's easy to blame. I believe the devil sometimes is, is, is where he is. He's like, man, I ain't that busy. <laughs> the devil is busy and Satan's like, man, y'all giving me all this credit. I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> Because he knows that left to ourselves, not surrendered to God, will do enough damage to ourselves. He's like, I don't need to help them. All I got to do is get them to not obey God. It's been the same game since Genesis. You got everything you need, the trees, the perfect environment. Just don't touch that. And that's when the devil shows up. Oh, God really didn't mean what he said. So um, all you got to do is just maybe do this and things will be a lot better for you. You ever tried to work out your own situation and made more of a mess? Some honest folk in the church today. No, I got this. If I can just do this and do this, and then all of a sudden, you, you, what you end up doing is you end up taking a shovel and digging yourself deeper. And God says the only way out of this is through the door of obedience. So he sees our faith and he sees our finances as inseparable. How do you know that? You, you're just making stuff up, pastor. Okay, I love when people say that. Luke 19, verses 8 through 10, and this is what... It says, and this message is going to be short, man. I just want to get to the point. Uh, but Luke 19, 8 through 10, it says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, actually, let me give you some background to this. Zacchaeus was a, everybody hated him. Every, he, you, ever, you ever, be real, you're on the job, but there's always that one person nobody likes. You're like, I'm saved. I like everybody. No, you don't. Stop lying. You don't like everybody. Or some of us, have been that person. For some reason, you just took a stand or you, you lived your life differently and you're on that job and for some reason, everybody doesn't like you. But here's, here's the point. Zacchaeus was the type of guy nobody liked. He was a tax collector. He was cheating everybody. And so he's this short guy, got, got a short man complex, and, but he was able to use his position and his power to abuse people. You ever been there? You ever seen that? So he used his position and his power to abuse people and so nobody liked him. But coming up, he, said he knew that Jesus, he heard that Jesus um, was coming into town. And Zacchaeus says, you know what, I got to see Jesus. So he runs through the crowd. He's short. He can't see him. He says, so he climbs up in the tree. And all he wanted to do was see Jesus. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when I come to church, I don't want a whole lot of fluff. I really just want to see Jesus. I love you, but I want an encounter with Jesus. I want him to say something to me that changes my life and helps my tomorrow to be better than my today. Preaching to anybody in here. I, I believe that we have... A generation of people that are raising up that they just don't want all the cotton candy anymore. They want God to do something in their lives that changes them for eternity. And that's where uh, Zacchaeus was. So he climbs up in this tree and now Jesus comes through town. He's coming through town. And the Bible says, and you do your own research, but just to catch you up, the Bible says, and when Jesus got to the place, wait, the place, he looks up in this tree and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I need to eat at your house today. So Jesus shows up in the crowd for one person. Oh, y'all missed that already. Because some of y'all, Jesus showed up today just for you. 
You like everybody, you like everybody may not be catching this message, but if it's not for anybody, it's for me. You're speaking right to me. And so Zacchaeus was that person. Jesus shows up, goes through the crowd, looks up, and says, Come down. You, you, all I needed, you had a desire to see me. Come, come, come down. I need to stay at your house today. Now watch this, watch what Zacchaeus does. Because this illustrates the first point that I made about our faith and our material possessions. We can't separate that. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Now, in the midst of everybody, because here's the backstory: In the midst of everybody, in their minds, they're saying, why does Jesus want to go to his house? So you got to read the Bible and really understand all the things that are going on. Why, why are you going to stay with him? Why are you going to go eat with him? He's a, he's a sinner. He's, he's, he's this. He's that. You know, what I found is that we often scrutinize other people's past, but not our own. We, you know, but because we, we, we somehow we get to this point that we've been saved so long, we forget that we still have some stuff in the closet, too, that if other people found out about, you, 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 you know, you, you have that stuff. Man, I just I just do this on Sunday. But you got that thing that, you, you know, what it's under the blood and you don't want anybody to know you ever did that. But why, meanwhile, God will move in somebody else, and we have to have them jump through a thousand hoops to prove they're safe. But watch the response. Zacchaeus says, just so y'all don't have this messed up, Zacchaeus says, I want to show you. I want to just tell you, Jesus has, has in, he's invited himself to my house, so I want to show you how I appreciate it. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I give half of my what? Isn't it funny that the first thing that's affected by this man's encounter with Jesus is his money. Uh, yeah, I know. I know it's quiet in here. Some of y'all are like, I ain't Zacchaeus. <laughs> but meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. I give half of my wealth to the poor Lord. And if, watch this, I've cheated people. And he knew he did. He says, I'll give them back what? Four times. He said, I, I don't want you to mistake anything. I've had an encounter with Jesus, so I'm not only going to tell you that I've repented, but I'm going to show you that I've repented. And what is Jesus' response? What is his response to this? Just in case we get it messed up. Salvation has come to this home when? Wait, no, after everybody else believes it, right? After everybody else agrees with the fact that he's been saved. No, it says salvation has come to this home today. Jesus was able to identify the fact that his encounter with Zacchaeus changed him immediately. Now, in this, in this day that we got to have 20 years before something happens in our life, or 25 years before we obey God, this man who was cheating everybody had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed him instantly. Say, Lord, change me. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And in the midst of it, Jesus says this, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Isn't that our purpose at the end of the day? Isn't that what we want more than anything else? After, yeah, we want God to do some things for us, but how many of us not only want him to do things for us, but we want to be used by him? Lord, use me to affect my home. Use me to affect my job. Use me to affect that driver that's getting on my nerves in front of me. Lord, just, just, just use me until you use me up. That should be our desire more than anything. Why? Because it shifts our perspective from everything that's going on in our lives. If we be honest, all of us have some stuff going on, some stuff that's clouding our thoughts, it's clouding our emotions, it's clouding our mind. And Jesus says, in order for me to bless you, i got to get your mind off what you're worrying about and get your mind on things that matter. Acts 2, 44, 45 says this, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, and they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Here's the principle. What impacts my heart? What impacts my heart impacts my generosity. What impacts my heart will impact my generosity. And this is what people get mad at, when, uh, and preachers say this. Don't say that you have truly come into a vital relationship with God, and it doesn't affect every area of your life. It, it should. We can't say, Lord, I, I, I love you, but I can't love them. And I, it, it, it blows my mind when we sit there and we say that we can't love somebody, but in the midst of my worst, God loved me. 
in the midst of when I didn't have it all together and when I didn't have it all right, he chose and loved me anyway. And so we've got to sit there and have the same uh, perspective towards those who don't know him yet. There's some people who don't know him yet, and God wants you to play a part in seeing them come to him. I mean, it, it, it's just you sit there and you say, well, I don't, I'm not significant. I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. God put something in you for somebody else. You realize somebody's going to come into the kingdom and their whole family will be changed just because you surrendered your life to God. So, but we've got to get past the mentality of me, my four, and no more and start thinking about, God, how do you want to use me to impact this world for him? And many times, one of the greatest indicators is we'll find is how has my heart been impacted in the area of generosity? Here's another thing in the book of Acts that it tells us. It says that all the believers were united. How many of you know we've got to be on the same page? The enemy loves confusion, and he loves disharmony. You ever, I'll prove it to you. You ever get, a, get in an argument in your house over something stupid? Like, like, like it, was, it wasn't even, it was just somebody said something that what didn't even matter at the wrong time, and it rubbed you the wrong way, and now y'all not talking to each other all day because somebody misunderstood. And so you have to understand, and the enemy loves that. All he has to do is plant one seed. He says, you know what? And then step back and watch people fight with each other and argue with each other. The body of Christ should be the most united people on this planet. You know, we should be able to be different, look different, speak different, act different, but still have the same unity of purpose and seeing other people be saved. So some people feel like I got to wear a dress and a three-piece suit and other people feel like I can wear jeans and we got to be okay with each other. Because somewhere along the way, we may be saved about clothes. And how we look, and that all of us got to look the same. Am I helping somebody? Just because we're saved, we don't all look the same. Look, look around you. There's somebody in here that looks different than you, that grew up different than you, that thinks different than you. But when we make our position in Christ about our political position, you realize that there's somebody in here that might not even view those things the way you do, but we're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And we still need to lo love each other and move forward. And, and you, you, Does anybody get where I'm coming from? Why? What does this have to do with the treasure principle? Because if, you, if we don't understand unity and surrender to God completely, we'll never get anything else. We got to be able to say, you know what? Brother Ronald likes different music than me, but we're still brothers in Christ. We got to be able to say, you know what? Some people believe in waving your hands and other people believe waving your hands is of the devil, but we still are brothers and sisters. In Christ. Say same page. United in heart and what? Mind. And they felt that what they own, watch this, say it doesn't belong to me. And they felt that what they own was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection again of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. The King James says, and great grace was upon them all. Where there's unity, say that. Where there's unity, say where there's unity, there will be grace. Hmm. Here's the part that I like. Now, once we have grace, watch what happens next. There was no needy people among them. What a miracle! When we just follow God's process, could you imagine a day like that where everybody has what they need? Where everybody is fully supplied, mind, body, and spirit? Because we've walked in a level of unity that we've not seen in our entire lives. Hope I'm helping somebody. If not, I'm helping myself. Sometimes the preacher got to preach to himself. Say preach. <laughs> just need to make sure y'all are alive out there. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land and houses would sell them and bring the money and lay them at the apostles' feet um, to give to those in need. Now, I want to mess your thinking up. How many of you, how many of you believe Jesus is a nice guy? Be real. I do. I mean, how many of you believe Jesus is a loving guy? I, I believe that too. But I found a scripture that, that honestly, it, troub it troubled me a little bit because it goes contrary to everything that we preach and we teach. So I want to share this and I want to kind of use... Um, 
in illustration. Brother John, come up here for a minute. But I want to I share this with you because it really, when I dug in and found out like what this actually meant, it kind of, I, I laughed and was a little humbled and sobered at the same time. Yeah, just stand right there. That's good. Uh, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Um, now, the King James, to understand this, it says that he sat against the treasury. So I had to look at, look at what did he mean by him standing against the treasury. And he watched as the crowds dropped in their money, and many rich people put in large amounts. And then their poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples over to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Let's stand right here. Now, what, what that actually meant, are y'all still with me? Say amen if you can hear me. All right. So what that actually meant was when I looked up, what did it mean, God, for you, Jesus, to stand against the treasury? So what was happening is Brother John would be bringing his contribution. He'd walk right here. He'd be bringing it right here. And Jesus was just like this. And Jesus was literally against this, watching what everybody was putting in. How many of you know that's bold? <laughs> I mean, you know, we did this today. You, some of us would get like the side eye. But Jesus, son of God, children sitting on his lap, healing and opening blinded eyes, is now sitting against the treasury watching to see if Brother John is really obeying God. <laughs> Amen. Well, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, but you're Jesus. I mean, you spit on the ground and you put mud in people's eyes and you heal them and you, you cast demons out. But here we're talking about contributions and you see, Jesus, you doing it like that? And not only that, while she's doing it, he calls his other disciples over. And he says, all these people, are, they, they're giving, praise God. But this woman just dropped in two small coins and she did more than everybody else. But she gave every, you said, oh, no, thank you, everything that she had. What's the point? Jesus watches what we do. How many of you believe that? You really believe that he's watching what we do? How many of you believe he watches what we say? How many of you believe that he watches how we treat those that we come in contact with? Because somehow in this busy life, we actually forget that God, the old mothers of the church would say, God is watching. You ever had a fam that family member? You got that one? The Lord is watching you. I was sharing with, uh, I was with Brother Desmond and John earlier this morning. I grew up with one of those grandmothers, man. He, if you came in church Sunday and your, your face was too sad, you living in sin? <laughs> the devil in your head right now? And, it, and look at you all sanctimonious. And I couldn't say that. You know, I wasn't going to talk back to her because I might end up on the floor. <laughs> 70 years old, she could still swing that purse, man. But my point is, the, the, the older believers had a sense and an understanding that God was involved, watch this, involved in every aspect of our life. How different would we live if we lived in awareness that God is involved in everything? You, you, you know, because as humans, we all have that one part we just don't want to give him. So for some of us, it's relational. Like, God, you can have everything but the way I date. God, I love you, I'll sing, I'll, I'll fast, I'll pray, but you ain't telling me who to... <laughs> Y'all fill in the blank. <laughs> and some of us are like, God, no, you can have everything. I love your spirit, I love you, but you can't have my wallet. Mm -mm. I work too hard for that. Until we reach a crisis. And that's when we'll say, Lord, I surrender all. Say it shouldn't take all that. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just telling you, our life would be a lot easier if we gave God our all in our relationships, in our jobs, in our resources. What we give, this is free. This is not part of the notes. What we give God, he is responsible for. Amen. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Because that stuff, whatever it is in your heart, in your mind that you're holding on to, do you realize that what he's responsible for, he's able to bless? Think about that. For, think about the one thing that's on your mind that weighs so heavy. And if you just say, God, this is yours. You know, you know how that sounds? That sounds like going in a doctor's office and they're telling you one thing and you're like, all right, God, this sickness is yours. Doctors look at you. What do you mean? It's God's. You'll see next time when I show up and the report's different. You'll see. You know, 
When you walk with God and you walk in faith and you walk in the confidence of God, you got a little swagger to your step. People get, people, and it's not pride. You just, people get a little, you, you ever had those moments where you just knew God was going to do it? And, and, and you're like, you, you're whistling when people think you should be crying. But like, wait a minute, I just told you, you only have so much, so much time to live and you're smiling? This, yeah, because I realize that your word is fact, but it's not truth. As a matter of fact, I realize that, that, that what you're saying may be true, but it's not the final word. You said I'm sick. But nothing in my Bible says I got to believe your report. You say I'm not going to make it, but God says I will. Think, that's the kind of boldness you got to walk in. We move not by what we see, but by what we believe. When you do that, you can deal with a boss on your job who won't treat you right. See, I've been there where I, I worked for people who didn't like me. But I knew a God who smiled on me. So in the midst of, I, I would, let me tell you how, I, this will help somebody, I promise you. When you obey God in every area, you don't have to be afraid. He would have me walk in on people talking about me behind my back. Somehow, just, I, I walk in, I'd be right at the door and they'd be talking. And I walk in the door and they'd say, oh. And I didn't do what some of us would do. Tell them about themselves. So I'd say, all right, how you doing? Because God revealed what I needed to know. I don't need to fight you. All, all, when you walk with God, he'll show you what to do. Some of us don't need more money. We need instructions. And here's the problem. The problem is because we hold on to the money, he won't give us the instructions. I can't trust you with this, so why would I trust you with my instructions? But some of us, we don't need more resources. We need the favor of God on our life. We need the right person to say yes. Y'all understand where I'm coming from? When you walk with favor, you walk like, you walk like one of them superheroes. You just can't, they can't do anything to you. I got favor. There's nothing you can say to me that's going to change what God has already done. God says that I'm going to get through. He says I'm going to make it. He says I'm healed. He says I'm well. He says I'm fully supplied. What you're saying can't change that. you just man. But the favor of God, say that with me, the favor of God is on my life. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, and now he's comparing it to the other people. But she is a poor as she was. Say, my giving is never based on my circumstances. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because this is powerful truth that we're receiving. But even more than that, do you realize what kind of power you walk in when everything you do is not based on your circumstances? You just basically told, the, and you served the enemy his pink slip in your life when you obey God regardless of what you're going through. Because we serve an enemy, he wants to put enough pressure on you to not do what God said. Whatever that is. It doesn't have, not just this, any area of our life. God, it, he'll, he'll put it on your heart to forgive somebody and then have the same person that he wants you to forgive call you and cuss you out that week. That's what the enemy will do. And what you, how do you free yourself from that? You forgive them anyway. You ever have an agitator in your life? What do I mean by that? It's, this is a person who makes it their personal aim to get on your nerves. You, you, it's quiet. I know why it's quiet, because... <laughs> Let me not go. I don't want to get anybody in trouble before they go. <laughs> Some people are like... But it's like they, they feel like they woke up with the mission to get on your nerves. <laughs> and all it is is that the enemy many times is using people like that to get you out of position, to get you to not obey what God said. So you got to go through, and this is the answer to it, and Desmond was talking about it in our huddle. You just got to love everybody. You just got to treat everybody right. The way I treat you is not going to ever be based on how you treat me. That's how I stay free. How do you stay free, Pastor, when people talk about you behind your back? Because my love for them ain't based on what they do. It's based on what God has done for me. My obedience is not dictated by what you do. It's based on what he said. So in the midst of anything, I know I'll be okay because I'm in right relationship here. And because I'm in right relationship here, I can't hate you. And, and honestly, you'll walk so much freer and people will have less power over you. Some people not even in your house and have power over you because you won't obey God. Say, it doesn't make sense for anybody 
to have that much control over my life. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Y'all ever seen those shows like uh, some people at Pastor Ain't Really Save? You watch shows like this? Yes. Like Hoarders and uh, there's a, another one that's really funny to me. Look it up. <laughs> it's called um, The World's Biggest Cheapskates or something like that. Man, I was crying laughing at this stuff that people do in order to just hoard and keep everything to them. But what I also noticed is that every place these people go, you have people on the outside looking at them, confused at why they were doing something that seemingly made no sense. And I can't help but wonder, sometimes God is the same way, that he's looking at some of the stuff we do and some of the stuff we think. He's like, you don't know who I am. Some of the things, some of the mistakes that we made in our life, we would have never made if we really knew who God was. I want you to really process that for a minute. God is able, you hear me say it in some form every week, to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. If we remember that, it will keep us obedient. If we're going to serve God, I told you no hype today. This is just word. If we're going to serve God, the idol of money must be dethroned. What do you mean? Whatever dictates what you do is your God. If we cannot do what God told us to do with any area of our life, it isn't God who's really on the throne in our life. If he says release it, release it. If he says forgive, forgive. If he says love, love. We, what we are obedient to is our Lord. And people don't want to hear that. They say, well, no, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just working on this. No, 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 no. What you obey is actually what controls you. Some of us have been go- are governed by our emotions. They dictate everything we do. This is why. You, you, you know how you know? That's the person who can love you one minute and hate you the next. Because they're governed by their emotions. No one can serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. It's impossible for both God and money to share the throne in our life. Hmm. Do you realize God won't fight with anything to be Lord in your life? Some of the, if some of, uh, this has such universal application because some of us will rather worship a relationship than God. Think about that for a minute. You won't give up a friendship that's bad for you because you'd rather keep them than have God be in charge in your life. How many of you have ever had God just work on your heart and say, you need to let this go? But your own stubbornness and pride just keeps you holding on to it. I've been there. I've been there. God says, you need to stop this or you need to, to, to um, maybe... This friendship is not good for you. You need to walk away from this. And we sit there and we fight with God about what we want to hold on to. And he's sitting there saying, I want to be Lord. I want to be um, in control of your life. I want to bless you, but you just won't let this go. Just helping anybody? We're almost finished. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust uh, Moths eat them and rust destroys them where thieves break in and steal. Store for yourselves treasures in where? Heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy. I want to put everything of my uh, worth and value in my life where the enemy can't touch it. I want you to think about this for a minute because I want to draw your attention to something else. How many of you have children? How many of you have people in your life that are important to you? How many of you would put those people knowingly in a place that would harm them? Why not? Because you value them. They are treasure in your life, so you do what you can to protect them. And that's the illustration here is God is saying, don't ever put your treasure or anything of worth in a place where it can be rotted out. Put it where somebody can't touch it. Why? Here's the point. Where your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart will be also. 
Storing up treasure towards heaven is an act of faith. Hoarding treasure is an act of foolishness. So God expects us, and here's the thing, because everybody's like, what is obedience in any area, not just this one? What is obedience actually, what's in it for me? What, what's in it for me? God expects, expects us to act out of enlightened self-interest. How many of you know God wants good things for you? Does anybody believe that? Thank you for the one amen or the two amens. But it's not for me because some of us have been through so much in our life. And here's, here's what I understand about saying something like that. We don't actually believe we deserve any good or that good things should happen for us. But the reality is I want you to say this with boldness. Say, God has good things in store for me. Why do I have to say this? Because... If I don't tell you that, what you'll do, every time somebody, God tries to do something good in your life, you do like you do people and push them away. And you begin to treat everything that God brings in your life now like your past disappointments. Think about that. This is helping somebody because some of us treat our present and our future like our past. And we wonder why our future walks, watch this, our future walks away because they don't want to deal with it. Say, I'm free to move forward. Here's the last thing. Then we're going to worship the Lord and we'll be done. So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich. Y'all know I like like being real. (laughs) How many of you ever been jealous of somebody? Oh, y'all are that saved? Boy, y'all are some saved people, man. Thank you, Brother Cal. <laughs> Let me, you, 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 you get on, I was sharing this last week in summer. You ever get on Facebook and be like, man, why are they always getting something? <laughs> man, it seemed, like they, it seemed like they're brand new all the time. Man, their husband treats them so good. Man, they're always going on trips. Ah, man, they're on another cruise. I just want to get on the boat at Universal that goes around the. (laughs) Oh, man, they got another new car and I'm still riding the station wagon. My dad had a station wagon that he had to actually get in the car 15 minutes early and then turn it and that thing would crank about 15 minutes. That was his $600 blessing. He'll tell you about it if he was here. Here's here's my point. Comparison is the thief of joy and purpose. So what happens is is we end up looking at what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has, how it's working out for everybody else, and slowly it's like a slow drain of passion, enthusiasm, life, excitement. It's like this. I believe God for big things. I believe him for amazing things. I'm dreaming big. My hope is high. My expectation is, wait a minute. Man, I've been praying for this for years, but Brother John got it in two weeks. Man, I just want my my wife to to love me and and respect me and seem like she's always sending him for making him cakes and making him... It's silly stuff. Y'all with me? Can you identify with this? It's just like, man, wow, look at this testimony on Facebook that this person, they got healed from this, this disease or that disease, and I'm still waiting on my miracle. What am I, and here's what you say. What am I doing wrong? You ever been there? See, I know for us to change our hearts, we got to be real. And sometimes being real is, man, I'm sick and tired of watching everybody else on Facebook giving their testimony about the raise on the job. I just want a job. I'm willing to do anything, and I got to see about their raise every week. And I'm supposed to be this good, happy Christian. God has a plan. They keep telling me every week. I hear it so much that what should encourage me now aggravates me. 
Can we pull the mask off? Y'all ready to go home yet? Give me two minutes. I want to pull this, this mask off so we can get free. This is the stuff that's keeping us from loving each other. When you get your miracle, I got to celebrate with you because it shows God that I have the character and I'm prepared for him to do it for me. When you get healed and I still got one foot in the grave, according to the doctors, I got to celebrate your miracle so God can bring me out. And when you're going through it, Brother John, I got to be able to cry with you. Because I should never let you feel like what you're going through as a body, a part of the body and a part of my family you're going through by yourself. I may not have the answers, but I can put my hand on your shoulder and tell you that God will work it out. How do you know? I don't know how, but I know God. And so the testimony that I share with you, Brother Ronald, I'm going to share it to encourage you, not to brag. To let you know that when I was in, what you were in, God brought me out. And so every time, why? what does it mean to be a life-giving church? It means that you can come in and know that tomorrow might be better than today. It means that you can go on another day. It means that what they're saying is going to kill you is not going to kill you. And you can declare like David, I shall not die, but live and declare the marvelous works of the Lord. I don't know if there's anybody in here that just believes God's word. you got to believe his word. So that your circumstances do not dictate your obedience. Man, we serve a great and mighty God. Because y'all don't hear it all the time. But I get the phone calls. And the message is, one, of what people are going through. And two, God, how God is bringing them out. And so we've got to understand. And sometimes we've we got to say, you know what, I, I may not be the best at sharing what God is doing in my life, but you just opening your mouth and sharing the goodness of what he did for you may be the miracle somebody else needs. They're like, man, how do I, how do I live this? 45 seconds. How do I live this life so discouraged and keep on going? And you got to be able to say, you know what, I went through a season where everything was coming against me. You ever had that? It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't this weak persecution that somebody talked about me. Because now people leave the church if somebody talked about them. But no, I'm talking about no, sickness was coming against me. Lack was coming against me. Discouragement was coming against me. I was having thoughts of not even wanting to be anymore. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way. As, as, as Travis Green, y'all may have heard it said, when my back was against the wall. And it looked like it was over. You ever had a testimony like that? I'm against the wall. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to turn out. But somehow God made a way. Stand to your feet. Sure didn't go the way I thought it was going this morning. God will always be the boss in this church. If you're here, and I want you to do this, this we're going to worship, and I want you to just do this as an act of faith today because I feel in my spirit that there's some people who came in smiling, but you're going through, and you're just trying to figure a way out. In the midst of that, stop trying to find the answers. Jesus has always been the answer, <laughs> always will be the answer. So what you need to do, and what I'm challenging you today as an act of faith, is to simply Raise a hallelujah during this song. I want you to sing in the midst of what you're going through. I want you to declare hallelujah. Praise Jehovah. And I think some of you will get your mind transformation while we worship. Some of you will get your change. Some of you will get your instruction while we're singing. God will give you an instruction that changes your life for eternity. Say, I have faith for it. No eyes closed. If you be honest and say, I need, I need a miracle, raise your hand. No eyes closed. I want you to look around. It's not you. It's not just you. I need a miracle. How many of you would say, I got a family member that needs a miracle?
Man, I want y'all to sing this with everything you got. Because I believe this breakthrough is going to take place when we do this. I'm going to just let, let y'all go. I'm going to let God. Yeah. Now, if you believe that God moved mightily in your life right then, I want you to give him the biggest praise that you can give him right now. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over everybody in this building right now. I declare healing in this place. I declare freedom in this place. I declare every shackle is broken of the mind, body, and the spirit right now. I declare that as they leave this place, they're leaving with favor. They're leaving with a good report. They're leaving with the sickness being eradicated. They're leaving with their lack ending and their increase beginning. I pray for every family member connected to people in this church today, Lord, that you would give a turnaround in their body right now. In their... You have family members that are physically sick. Just lift your hand up. Quick, quickly, real quick. Okay. Yeah, that's too, that's too many. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now that we take authority over every sickness that has attacked the body of people connected to people in this room. And Lord, I declare healing right now. I declare that as they go and they call and they check on people that they are related to, that you would, they would begin to see improvement, that they would begin to feel better, that they would begin to have a turnaround. Lord, we declare that we do not care what the doctors have said. You are a healer right now, so we declare turnaround in this place right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we speak the word over their bodies right now. There's no distance in prayer. Your word says that you sent it and you healed them and that you delivered them from their destructions. Lord, you said that you're the healer of all sickness and disease, so we declare healing right now. Say healing. Say healing. Healing. In Jesus' name. Oh, God. Lord, we thank you now. We thank you now. We praise you now in advance. Lord, we believe you that this week we shall hear different reports. We declare it. We take authority over it. We declare that their minds will be stable and that their bodies will be better. I'm trying to let this go, but I feel this so strongly. Check on your family this week and believe God for their miracle. I specifically feel strongly to say it does not matter what the doctors have said. The doctors have, the, the, the doctors have actually given them up, but there's going to be a turnaround. There, there shall be a turnaround this week. I declare it right now, a turnaround this week in their bodies, Lord, that they, will, that they will amaze their doctors. They will amaze their physicians and also that they will be a testimony to your glory and to your grace. And now I speak over those here that they will leave this week filled with favor, filled with safety, filled with provision, and filled with the blessing of God upon their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a blessed week.